0: Time to uh, look through some of the stories from the weekend. Uh, today, our guest is the Irish Examiner, Deputy Political Editor, Elaine O'Loughlin. Elaine, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. And Elaine was just saying it's freezing outside. It's, it's, get, it's, it's getting
1: already. cold there, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. So you obviously dress for the weather by putting on your sequin top uh, and uh, apparently that makes you an environmental criminal.
1: Not quite yet, Sean, because I haven't thrown it out. As long right, as I okay. have it, I'm continuing to wear it I'm recycling it, reusing it. I'm okay for the planet. But the problem is um, that if you might have noticed if you've been shopping recently, sequin is everywhere this year. Uh, You can get it on everything from a pair of knee-high boots to uh, a traditional maybe sequins dress, pair of trousers, uh, jackets. You can get absolutely every item of clothing right now in sequin, multiple colours, your traditional red, golds, blacks, but Anything you want and sequins is available in the shops right now. So right. Okay. I imagine in the coming days, as people are going on their Christmas parties, you will see a lot of sequin out and about.
0: And is that just a general fashion thing, or is it because I, I read there that like it's it's uh, Marks and Spencer's had a sequin, lots of sequins in their Christmas ads? So that's kind of what caused has caused all this.
1: Marcus and Spencer's, I think, would love to take credit for this, (laughs) but uh, every single high street store and obviously the more exclusive stores have it right now. It just seems to be in fashion. I don't know whether it's kind of, this is the first Christmas we've had since 2019 and we all know then what happened yes. uh, maybe it's a kind of case that people really want to make an effort this year and want to get dressed up because they're able to go out they're able to have parties there's no social distancing we hope uh, no restrictions uh, so it does seem to be really on trend right now you always have sequin around Christmas time you know it's the velvet it's the sequin it's the sparkle it's the bling um, but it does seem to be more popular this year and um, But going back to the environmental thing, there was research out last time uh, in 2019, Oxfam did a bit of research on this and they estimated then that around 1.7 million sequin items would be binned after Christmas um, and that usually people only wear them around five times before they get rid of them. Um, because the very nature of it, mm. it is festive. You're not going to be wearing, well, most people anyway, won't be wearing perhaps a red sequin dress to From a summer shops. wedding. <laughs> uh, or down the shops for that matter. Um, although I hope I'm I'm showing you that you, Good can, for you. you can dress yeah. down sequin mm. and wear it as a daytime item as well. Um, and of course, sequin is made out of plastic. So once you throw it away, it's going to landfill, it's going oh. to be there for thousands of years. Um, now, the alternative is, of course, you can recycle sequin, it's plastic, but the thing about it is taking <laughs> thousands <laughs>
0: of oh, I'm Sorry, I'm not bringing this back to you all the time, but I was just imagining <laughs> like if you said, right, I'm going to be... and you sat down to take out every single sequin off that top.
1: Yeah, if it's going to be this time, time next consuming year, yeah. and therefore costly to take your little... Uh, small discs off your top and have, you know, those recycled and then the piece of fabric recycled. It's not like a cotton t-shirt that you can recycle easier or your can of plastic that you can just throw Mm. in the bin and it's ready to be recycled. Um, So I suppose the likes of Oxfam and the charity shops are advising people to, if you want to buy, maybe go into a charity shop and try and uh, buy second hand there's loads of alternatives as well. The kind of rental sector. If you're going to perhaps a, a Christmas ball, you might think of renting a sequin um, ball gown as opposed to buying one and then it being stored in your in your wardrobe, never really to be taken out again. Um, so people are being asked maybe if if you do want to go sparkly in sequins at Christmas, think about it.
0: Yeah, you think they'd come up with biodegradable sequins? Uh, this. The yeah,
1: day. there are some companies uh, looking at the biodegradable kind of sequin option. They seem to be very limited at the moment and also because they're limited, quite costly. So it's kind of the designer items that you might see the bi- biodegradable sequin on. Now, interestingly enough, there's a one high street-ish brand, I want to say, Bowden. It's a UK brand who've decided just to eradicate sequins and glitter from all of their items because they want to be committed to more sustainable uh, fashion. Uh, They're on the higher, I would say, uh, cost bracket of high street, so it might not even be affordable for people. And then, of course, if you do want your sequins, that's not really an option either.
0: No, it's not. And you can understand, I suppose, if people have been, you know, they haven't had a Christmas party in the last three years that you might want to kind of go extra glam this time. Of course. It's only natural, really, isn't it? Uh, Right. So uh, to move on to something completely different. And uh, Gino Kenny has been uh, the Solidarity People for Profit. He's been good on about this for quite some time. I think we've interviewed him on the show about it, but with this Oireachtas Committee, now, they're just examining the idea of dying with dignity at this point.
1: Yes, and it is a completely different tone of topic uh, that we are going on to now. But uh, this has been raised in the Dáil for many years. As you said, Gino Kenny has been spearheading the idea of allowing people die with dignity. And this is this would be very limited circumstances. We're not talking about everybody having a decision on when they end their own life. It would be in instances where people have a terminal illness and, you know, practitioner would be therefore given the legal right to intervene in those cases. Um it, the bill that Gino Kenny brought forward had been had been addressed by the Justice Committee in the Oracle and the Justice Committee decided that this needed its own special committee to look at um, because it is, it's is—it's a really big issue mm. um, and it's something as well that I think perhaps a bit like repealing the 8th and marriage equality, the public might be further ahead on this than the politicians right now um, and it's perhaps something that the public has actually formed a an opinion on and we might see that when this committee gets up and running. They're hoping to have all of the members in place by this week certainly by Christmas time and then the work will start in the new year so you'll have experts you um, and those with an opinion on it I suppose in before this committee to talk about all aspects and how it might work. Um, and it's actually something that uh, campaigner Vicki Phelan had raised prior to her death. She had believed strongly and had hoped that this law would be in place mm-hmm. ahead of her passing. Now, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, and she, she kind of raised the point at the time, um, back in as, as far back as 2020, that she knew that she was going to die in pain, like many um, cancer, especially those with cervical cancer. Unfortunately, that's what happens at the end of their live lives, and she didn't want that to happen she didn't want to see her children's or her she didn't want her children to see her suffer so this is why she had been campaigning yeah. strongly with Gino Kenny on this and um, so you can see how it would benefit um some people, but also you can see the alternative and how others may be completely against it
0: yeah, I know I mean it's, it's... Hugely emotive uh, issue for people, I would have thought. When they're they're selecting the TDs to go on this committee, is their opinion on uh, on this issue taken into account, or are they looking for people who are going to be a bit more neutral about
1: it? Yeah, well, it's like any committee, even though it is it is a special committee and it'll only run for nine months. Membership will be selected via the De system, so to make sure that every party is representative uh, or represented as they are represented in the Dáil. Um, At the moment, I think that will mean that the rural independents will probably chair this committee uh, unless they decide not to. And then it'll go to the independent group. If they decide not to chair it, it would probably go to Fine Um, And you would imagine then the parties themselves would probably select people who have an interest in this area but also might, as you said, might want to get varying opinions onto that. So obviously the larger parties will have more members on it than someone or a smaller party like perhaps Labour or or, Mm. uh, Solidarity.
0: But like, is it likely that there might be somebody on this committee who is either vehemently for it already or vehemently against it already?
1: Of course, yeah. And it is something that really divides opinion um, and divides it strongly. And even when you go as, when you start talking about the parameters, uh, you know, those mm. who are vehemently against it would say it's really a slippery slope to allowing widespread, uh, uh, access to yeah. this. Yeah. Now we see in other countries that doesn't happen. Obviously, Switzerland is the most famous case where people hear about most often. But there, you know, there's Canada, uh, Victoria, and Australia has allowed it in very limited circumstances. Um, and at the moment, as I said, this bill would apply to those who are terminally ill, and they would have have to meet strict criteria. But you know, I'm I'm sure when this debate opens up, up people will even maybe bring in the fact that someone with um, Alzheimer's
0: should yeah, they have how can a, you make informed consent on that kind of exactly, thing of course exactly yeah, yeah. The, the, no but the the very fact that this committee exists and it's having a thoughtful few months if you like considering the issue would that kind of indicate that in the doll in general uh, there's an openness at least to the idea
1: there's certainly an openness to discuss it right now um and it has been on the doll agenda for many years so even pressing ahead with this committee I think does show that TDs and politicians are ready to grapple with this issue. Um, I think you may see some calls for to after this committee to go to a citizens' assembly uh, that maybe a mm, hundred yeah. of, of our citizens throughout the length and breadth of Ireland might be dis- able to discuss it. I think the likes of Gino Kenny, who have been campaigning re- on this, would say that that's not really required, that once this committee uh, completes its work, hears from all sides on the argument and draws up a report that it should be legislated for. Now, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether that happens and whether the government decide, though, to put it to a Citizens' Assembly instead, which may not be a bad thing considering it's such a a really big issue and an important issue, a weighty issue.
0: Yeah, and well, indeed, plus also given the inevitable, I suppose, controversy surrounding it, if there's a a Citizens' Assembly gives uh, it and they say, yes, there should be a referendum on this, Or does it even require a referendum? It would require, I suppose, just legislative It's it's legislation, yeah, Yeah.
1: um, that it would require. So again, maybe the Citizens' Assembly might allow people to feel like they have been involved in that legislation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, seaweed and Crohn's disease. Who knew?
1: Yeah, and Chagas as well. Yeah. So it's, it's Irish uh, research. Um, basically, Chagas have been involved in this EU Horizon 2020 project to look at seaweed and the anti-inflammatory qualities that seaweed has and how it could be used to certainly treat people with Crohn's disease. There's around 40,000 people in Ireland who have... Crohn's disease and something like 6 million around the world so Mm. it's not a small number of people Um, and the likes of the anti-inflammatories that we have at the moment likes of aspirin works as a pain relief but also then can irritate the gut so it's not really an option for those with Crohn's disease whereas the researchers in Chagas are finding that they have found molecules in the seaweed that provide relief but don't have those horrible knock-on impacts. So they're really looking at this and, and looking to see if they can come up with some sort of a medication, a drug or even a food additive that people with Crohn's disease could use. And, you know, it's it literally is washing up
0: along the, yes. our coastline. So Absolutely. it's there,
1: it's available, it's free. Um, so it could be a really cheap alternative as well for people who suffer from Crohn's disease.
0: Cause I, um, but it's to kind of ease the symptoms rather than it's not going to cure it.
1: At the moment, it, yeah. it, it does seem like it would ease the symptoms. There's no cure currently for Crohn's disease and there's not a lot known about it even how how... Some people have it, and others don't. Mm. um
0: it's an immune system disorder,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah, which yeah.
0: are <laughs> that doesn't explain anything really because they're kind of mysterious themselves exactly,
1: too. exactly, but um it could be a great use of a free resource that we have at the moment um I was baffled to hear that there's six hundred varieties of seaweed along our coast as well, so you don't know what kind of um nutrients or uh, ingredients that they might e- even contain for other illnesses um, that we might be able to make use of That would be great
0: because all you see is seaweed well occasionally it's in kind of high end restaurants it might be something seaweedy or it's in candles that seems to be the two main uses of seaweed Yeah well
1: traditionally obviously you know that the farmers off the coast in Connemara would have brought it in and dried it out and used it as a natural fertiliser more recently it probably is in, in spa destinations your seaweed baths as you said or in candles fancy soap the likes but this could could have a real beneficial, um, I suppose, uh, impact on people with Crohn's disease.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Uh, Right. And uh, uh, finally, God, now I know, again, it's it's probably what we were saying at the start. It's the first Christmas since uh, the first post-COVID Christmas. But uh, we are living in inflationary times. And it's amazing how many people have said in in surveys that they're going to get a loan this Christmas to Mm. pay for it.
1: Yeah, and the, the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, the CCPC, is warning people really not to opt for this um, buy now, pay later. You see it increasingly with the kind of, the, going back to fast fashion, but it is fast fashion brands a lot of the time that are offering this. Um, and there is a concern there that maybe a younger generation might opt for this without thinking about it. Um, so obviously we had before the tradition. Kind of of people going for maybe a credit union loan and paying it off in January or trying to pay it off in January. So there is that worry too, because I would question, are you really going to enjoy Christmas if you know that this massive bill is coming in January as well? Um, It's easy to say I'll cut back and, and enjoy Christmas with a little bit less not always a, a viable option. Um, but certainly the, the CCPC are warning people against this buy now, pay later, and even to maybe write a list of everything you need and how much you're willing to spend on it over the Christmas period to make sure that you're just not hit with this tsunami of bills and debts in January.
0: Yeah. Elaine, thanks a million for coming into us. Uh, no, that was uh, Elaine well. O'Loughlin there, uh, Deputy Political Editor uh, for the Irish Examiner.